Joshua chapter 24, we're going to just stay one verse in there, and then we'll get right into the message. You looked on the back of your bulletin, you'll see the title of this message is Family Matters. And you could take that one or two different ways, but I want to kind of point out some things to you today. Let's go ahead and stand and stretch our legs one last time. Joshua chapter 24, and I want you to read it with me. It's a verse that most... I've been in numerous homes before, and they have this verse in their house. How many of you in here have this verse somewhere in your house? All right. I know. It, it's, a, it's a great verse. But I will say this. It's hard, to, it's hard to leave this life. It's hard to do this, of what he's saying. And here comes Joshua on the scene, and it says this. It says, let's read it together. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord. Let's read it together. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Talking about as for me. Now, I, I can't make choices for you, only you can make choices for you. There's a lot of different choices we make, some good, some bad. We all know what we should do, right? We know, let's, let's talk about unspiritual things. We know we need to eat right, correct? Right, if you were to choose between a Big Mac and a salad, which one would you choose? Well, you'd say, well, the Big Mac has a salad on it. No, it doesn't, all right, it doesn't. Well, it has Thousand Island dressing. It might, but that's still not a salad, okay? We know what, what we're supposed to do. You think we should exercise? How many of you think you need to drink more water? Water is a good thing for you. You know why? God created it. Amen? Milk is good for you sometimes, all right? I drank that lactose-free milk. Oh, my word. I try, I'm trying to figure out if I like it or not, okay? It's kind of sweet, and I don't know if God intended it to be that way, but I don't know. You know, you, we know we've got things we're supposed to do, right? As for me, you've got to make choices. I've got to make choices. I wish I could make a choice for you, and sometimes you probably wish you could make a choice for me. That's understandable. But we've got to get back and understanding what as for me. Joshua 24, 15, we're talking about this. Family matters. Family matters. And when you break down this next verse, Joshua 24, 15, today we're going to look at one little statement in there. It's the one that's highlighted. It says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's just take this little statement here. It says, whether the gods which your fathers served. Look at the verse in front of it. It says in the verse in front of it, it says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side. He's saying it, he's making a double statement. He says it again. But he says these three little words, and my house. The decisions that you make will affect your home. They will affect your children. They will affect your future. And here you have Joshua saying this, is this, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now does this mean when they got out of his house, they followed him? Might not be. You can only train a child so far, and you're hoping they come back to it as the Bible says, but sometimes they'll make wrong decisions. But while they're in your house, they need to serve the Lord. And they need to see you serving the Lord while you're in your house. And so here, let's look at this. And we've been studying one person in this. Let's consider this thought when making decisions in your life. We're going to get to Lot in just a second. Look at this next statement. 
How will my decisions in my life affect my family in the future? Will your decisions that you make today possibly change your future? Absolutely it will. Remember the day that you accept Christ in your heart and how it changed your, your future went a different direction. Your decisions that you make will affect your future. It will affect your family. That the decisions that I make will affect my wife. It'll also affect my two girls and my son-in-law and my future son-in-law. It'll affect my granddaughter. It'll affect my family. Everything that I do, the decisions that I make on a daily basis will affect the future. That's why I had to go on a diet because I was making bad choices. You know, I like eating. How many of you like to eat? How many of you, when you go to a restaurant, you eat everything they give you? I do. Your mom taught you to eat everything. Have you ever noticed in the last 20 years how proportions have got larger? If you don't think that's true, go to Five Guys and try to eat all the french fries they give you. They put your french fries in there, and then if you watch them to take a scoop, and they pour more of them in there. And let me say this to you. When you look at the bag and it's all greasy, it's probably not a good thing for you to eat all those french fries. Amen? Your heart is saying no, but your stomach's saying yes. And which one do you accept? We've got to realize the decisions in our life affect my family in the future. So, what happens is chain reactions. There's always chain reactions with what you've done. So let's look at Lot's bad decisions. Go to Genesis, and we're going to go to Genesis chapter 13, and we're going to look really quick at him, because I want to go on the positive. Because when you think of Lot, how many of you think of negativity? Everything that he did was wrong, and, everything, and it ended up terrible for him. But if you go to Genesis chapter 13, I want you to see some of his bad decisions. The first one is this. He did this. He picked Sodom and Gomorrah. This is found in Genesis chapter 13, verse 11. Follow along with me. It says, Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east, and, and there separated themselves the one from another. He basically picks Sodom and Gomorrah. The second thing he does is this. He pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Say, why is that important? So every day he woke, woke up, he walked out of his tent, guess what he saw? Sin and wickedness. He was pointing his direction of his life at this point. It says in verse number um, 12, it says, Abraham dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. So you have the second thing that he did. The third thing that he did, is watch this. Go to verse number 1 in, in chapter 19. We're going to stay in 19 for a while. It says, And there came two angels in Sodom and even, and Lot sat in the gate. This is actually showing that he had responsibility in this city. He was somebody that they, they, that they knew. But he didn't have enough influence when he left to take people with him. But he sat in the gate. He was now stating, stating his claim. This is where I'm from. This is my people. You'll see this in just a second, even, even further. He is making bad decision, and every decision is compounding. It's a chain reaction to the next one, and it's going to affect his family. But if you think when he chose Sodom and Gomorrah that he saw the end result, he didn't. He made a bad choice, and those choices made him do what happened in his life. So let's look at this next one. Go keep reading in Genesis chapter 19. And just follow along. And I want to see if you see something. It says, And he said, Behold, now my, my Lord's turn in, I pray you unto the servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go on your way. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. If you read the first, I didn't read the last part. It says that Lot, in verse, verse number one, it says, And Lot, seeing them, rose up. He saw these two angels. And he says, Listen, don't, he bowed his face to him. He said, You don't need to stay out there. You need to come inside. 
And he pressed upon them greatly in verse number three, and they turned in unto him and entered into his house, and he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Verse number four, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, where are the men which, which came into thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. And I'm not even going to get into what they're talking about. He said, bring these guys out. Bring these, they don't know if they're angels, but bring these men out. And then Lot went out, to, out, out of the door unto them and shut the door after him. Now watch this. He said, and he said, I pray you, brethren, do, do not so wickedly. And here it goes in verse number eight. Behold, now I have two daughters which thou, that have not known man. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do you to them as, as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing, for therefore came they under the shadow of my roof. Can you imagine a man saying that? But did you notice one of the biggest things that I see with him? He picked, he picked Sodom and Gorp. Sodom and Gomorrah, he pitched his tent, he sat in the gate. Did you realize what he called these people? Brethren. He called them brethren in verse number seven. Now, I've always been taught when you go to church, brother so-and-so, brother Ray, brother Wayne. Why is that? Because we have something in common. And here he's calling them brethren in verse seven. He is very common to them. He, he knows them. So the fifth thing he does, his testimony is ruined. Go to verse number 14. It says in a lot, he's trying to get people to leave, his sons, sons-in-law to leave and his daughters. And, and Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. His testimony was ruined because of who he was and what he had done. All these decisions he's made, will it, will it affect his family? Absolutely it will. The next one on there, he still lingered. This, this verse here, I don't understand. He's been trying to persuade his family to leave. And then in verse number 16, watch this. This is how they have to get him out of that city. He loved these people so much. Look at verse 16. It says in verse number 16, it says, and while he lingered. What? It says those guys have to grab him by the hand, grab his wife by the hand, and get them out of there. While he lingered. How many of you, I have a family member that is always late. I remember going to the wedding of them. They were late. They were late to the reception. They were late to the, to the wedding. It's, it, and they don't have their own time zone, you know, because you have Eastern and Central and all this. That's they, like in between. It's like a half hour off. And you never know when they're going to show up. You never know what they're going to do. We had a Christmas party and they, they came over and they were supposed to be there at a certain time. They came 45 minutes late. They were just, they just linger wherever they go. Here, here this guy is just, he's just, should we go? If I know the city, if you knew that this building was on fire, would you linger in this building? No, what you do is you get out of that. You get to the exits. Look at, locate the exits and get out. But here he's lingering and they have to take his hand, bless his heart, take his hand and carry him where he needs to go. You think, this man has just said this about his daughters and now he's trying to get his sons-in-law. They won't listen to him. His daughters won't listen to him and he still lingers in it. He loves where he's at. And so the next one, he lost his wife. Go to verse number 26. 
And yes, I do believe, and people have said, I don't, do you think he turned, she turned into a pillar of salt? I do, because the Bible says it, and the Bible doesn't lie. Go to verse number 26. It says in verse number 26, it says in, in chapter 19, it says, but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. I don't know why God chose a pillar of salt, but he could have chose anything. Let me say this to you. We sometimes are very quick to judge Lot's wife. Oh, because she loved the sin. Do you realize what she lost? Okay, how many of you have more than one child? Raise your hand real quick. If I were to go up to you and ask you, which child would you like to lose, which one would you choose? That is a ridiculous statement to make. This lady knows full well what's going on in the back, knows it's going to be destroyed. She's lost at least six members of her family. And we're not counting grandkids. She's lost sons-in-laws. We know there's two because it's sons-in-law, which means she had two daughters that stayed there. And then she had sons that says, says in there too. So she's lost six. She has lost almost, more than half of her family, at least. And so she has to take one more look at it, and guess what? She turns into a pillar of salt. I blame her for looking back. She shouldn't have looked back. But I also know what she lost. Sometimes we're very quick to judge her. Oh, Lot's wife was a wicked person. I don't know. But I just know one thing, that she didn't do what God told her to do, and it affected her. So here, the, the last one is this. I don't even want to get into this. Lot's daughter's actions. Gets his daughters out, and then she says, let's get him drunk, and let's do this. And they both do it. If you look at the first one, there's no way that he would have thought his, his bad decision of picking Sodom and Gomorrah would end up with his daughters doing what they did. Those actions were chain reactions of each thing. Those are bad things that happen, correct? Everybody agree with that? A wicked situation that only three people walked out of and their lives were even utterly destroyed when they walked out of them. Families matter. He would have never thought at the first time that I'm going to lose some sons and I'm going to lose some daughters. I'm going to lose some son and sons-in-laws. I'm going to lose grandchildren. If they had them, I'm going to lose all these things. I'm going to lose all my friends. I'm going to do all this thing. I'm going to lose all my herdsmen. I'm going to lose everything I possibly could with one decision. Decisions matter and families matter. Let's look and let's change the subject. Let's go on a positive note of what decisions do. I want you to flip over in the New Testament because families do matter. Satan wants to destroy your family in any way he can. And he won't use the same tactic on each family. He'll use different tactics. He is a very smart and cunning being. He knows what he's doing. As the Bible said, he is a roaring lion seeking what? Whom he may devour. We can really relate to that. How many of you ever been on one of those things where you can get to feed animals? There's one, there's one in North Carolina by us, and you'd, you'd feed the emus, and you'd feed the, the zebras, and you'd feed some of the giraffes. And they had, a, they had a lion there, but you know what? You couldn't feed the lion. I remember my sister one time, she, she was riding in her car. And don't you love those window lock things you can put on your car, and you lock the window down? Well, she said, I don't like emus. She should have never told me that, first of all. And so she started feeding an emu, and, the window, and I was driving, so I just stopped. I rolled her window down and locked it. And so she's not paying attention. She's like, I don't like these things. These things scare me to death. And while she wasn't looking, I took a handful of that feed and just poured it on her lap. And emu starts, and is attacking her. 
She's like, go, go, go. And I was like, I'm not leaving. This is fun. She goes, no, it hurts. It hurts. We drove off. But we got to the lion's thing. They didn't say, hey, go reach out and give them a, 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 a half a side of lamb and just see what happens. You don't do that. You don't mess around with a lion. Lions will destroy you. They're beautiful. How many of you are just like watching the lions? I think they're beautiful. I was watching a, 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 I don't know what it was on the, on, the ch- on the animal channel where this one lion got away from another and, and the hyenas were going after it. They're trying to destroy it. You know what saved that lion? Was another lion came in and helped him. They wouldn't attack two, but they would attack one. Lions are devastating animals. The Bible says that the, the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy us. But families matter to God. Look at this next statement. Everything changes when Jesus steps in. And I want to tell you something, your life will change when Jesus is brought into it. We make wrong decisions, we don't ask Christ, and all of a sudden we ask Christ and we make right decisions. And when Jesus is brought in, bless God, everything goes better. Even if it's a troubled situation, Everything changes when Jesus is brought in. If you don't get excited about anything, you need to get excited about when Jesus comes into your life. When Jesus comes into your decisions and everything changes, everything changes for the good. If it wasn't for Him, there would be no eternal life. There would be no comfort when you have problems. Everything changes when Jesus comes in. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 16. Let's look at a good story. Acts chapter 16. I'm going to give you four points and we'll be done. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. This is the story of when Paul and Silas are thrown in jail. I sang a song last week. God wants to hear you sing when all these things are going around him. And this whole story is about Paul and Silas singing while they've been beaten and put in jail. And if you don't think it's wrong the way they did it, read the rest of the chapter. We're not going to get to the end of the chapter. But they got really concerned because they didn't realize that, that Paul was a Roman and they could not do what they did to him. It was illegal. And they actually sent them out of the city to get, a, get them away from him. So we're going to look at this. Acts chapter 16. And as we look at this, when Jesus comes in, in Acts chapter 16, he transforms. Aren't you glad for transform, transformation in your life? I'm going to show you about four things. Let's go in the story, and we're going to start about verse number 29, a little bit before verse number 29. It says in verse number 25, it says, And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. While they were beaten and shackled, and the prisoners heard them. This tells you that they were not the only ones. There were more than, one, more than them as prisoners. And then it says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. It says, and the keeper of the prison awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, and that's not what he wanted to see. It says this, he says, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners have been fled. He knew what the law was. If he lost a prisoner, he loses his life. Now, Paul was a a prisoner that everybody knew. He was a high-profile prisoner. They knew who he was. He he had made everybody mad wherever he went because he was doing what God wanted him to do. When you do what God wants you to do, you're going to ruffle some feathers. And so he's ruffled some feathers. He's in there. But then all of a sudden, this guy is going to kill himself because he knows what's happening. But don't you love what Paul says? Read, Read the next verse. 
in this, he, he, he's, he's concerned that he's going he's to kill himself. And watch how Paul's reaction was to him. It says in verse number 28, But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here, referring to him and everybody else in that prison. That's a miracle. We have two police officers in here. No, one, one's... He, he just worked this morning. But it, let me ask you a question. If you were to go to the prison and open up the bars, all the jail doors open, what do you think would happen? Think that would stay? Most of them would say, you know, I got to do my time. That's not what they'd say. They'd be bolting. You couldn't keep them in there. We, we read this sometimes. We don't realize the miracle of that in and of itself. Somehow Paul had the ability to control them. Maybe they knew who he was, and maybe they're scared of him. He said, listen, no one's left. Everything's going to be okay. When Jesus steps in, you know what changes real quick? Your attitude. Because no, no longer it's not me that's living, but it's Christ living in me, which makes a difference. But let's see, see the reaction to this, this, this um, jailer. It says in this, he says, don't, don't, don't harm yourself in verse number 28, for we are all here. Now look at this, verse number 29. Then he called for a light, and I like these next three words, and sprang in. He was going to see what's going on in here. These guys should have all left. There's bad people in here, but they're all in here. He runs in, and then watch what it says. His attitude changes. He sprang in, and what's the next word? And was what? Trembling. He knew he was in the presence of something but he didn't yet know what it was. But when Jesus comes, he transforms your attitude. Now let's just be honest with ourselves. How many of you before you got saved had a bad attitude? Okay. There's only five of us that are honest in here, amen? Okay. Now when I look your direction, they're all... It's, you're, when I look this way, these guys put their hand up. When I look this way, they put their hand up. Okay. It's okay to understand that you had a bad attitude. How many of you have had a bad attitude since you got saved? I have. How come more people raise their hand at that point? All right. God will change your attitude. You know what happens? The Holy Spirit indwells you, and when you do something wrong, He tells you. He tells you, you shouldn't do that. Don't you love it when the Holy Spirit tells you that? This guy, he comes, sprang in. I almost think like a rabbit. He jumps in there, but then he realizes, and he starts trembling. His attitude is changing in front of Paul. Not only does his attitude change, his perspectives change. And this little story, keep reading in verse number 29, says this. And what's it says, I'm going to read it, you tell me the next two words. And he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling. And what's the next two words? Fell down. Before this earthquake, would he have ever fell down before Paul? No. He would care less about him. You know what his job was? To make sure he didn't leave. You know what Paul's job was? Make sure no one else left. And he goes in there and he's thinking, what in the world? And he fell down in front of him. This was not the norm for a guard to do to a prisoner. But he also realized that this, this prisoner had just saved his life. And it changed his perspective. It changed his attitude about what he was doing. 
No longer was this man a prisoner. This man was a, great, was a gift from God to him. And I wonder if he's thinking in his mind, my children and, and their children and my wife, how he's helped our situation. Because when Jesus comes in, everything changes, praise God. He changes. Because you know what? In my life, when I make a decision and it's the wrong decision, I don't ask God about it. I know it. But then when I make a decision, I say, God, what do you want me to do in this? Because I'm just like you. And when I, when I ask God, what do you want me to do with this? And he tells me, bless God, when he tells me, Ray, I can know that I'm doing the right thing. He changes my attitude. There are times in my life where I, if, if I was a, the old person, you wouldn't like me. You wouldn't. I played college basketball, and to survive at college basketball when you're six foot four and you only weigh 185 pounds, you've got to play kind of mean sometimes. If you don't, you get pushed around. I was the guy that was diving on the ground. I was the guy sliding across the floor. I had to change who I was, and when God came in my heart, He changed everything. I've met some people that when God comes in their life, He changes everything about them. There's been people that I would have been scared to talk to before they got Christ. There was a guy in our first church who used to be with the Hells Angels. I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have walked up to him on the street and say, Hey, buddy, how you doing? Want to go to church? But when God got a hold of him, it changed his attitude. You know what else? It changed his countenance. And it will change your perspectives. This man realized who these guys were. If you don't believe that, you don't understand the next questions. Because then he starts asking questions. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? It changed his direction. In verse number 30 and 31, he says, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. It's interesting that he didn't say anything about who he was. It was not about who Paul was. It was about who Christ was. It changed his direction. It changes, man. Think of this. He's on guard. I don't know if he fell asleep or what. And he sees this earthquake. He thinks everybody's leaving. And so then, what does he do? He's going to kill himself. If he would have killed himself, he would have split hell wide open with what we know about this. You want to talk about a different directional change? He was going down, and then all of a sudden he met Christ, and that direction made him go up. So he was going to lose his life not a few minutes before that. And then he says, what must I do to be saved? He understood the terminology. He understood what, why Jesus was here. What must I do to be saved? And Paul points him in the, same, right, in the right direction. He didn't say, well, listen, I am a, I'm an apostle and I've done all these things. I've done all these things. Did you know that I was beaten and I was singing when I was in prison? He didn't do that. He pointed him to Christ. He changed his direction. Christ will do that to you. When Jesus comes in, He'll change your attitude. He'll change your perspectives. And He'll change your direction. And the last one, look at this. He not only does this, He changes your concerns. I was listening to somebody speak this week on, on, on the internet. And the preacher said, you know, he's talking about, and, and I wasn't planning on saying this, but he's talking about tithing and giving. And he made this statement. He says, I give... But if I don't tie, that's not about giving, that's about robbing. I was like, boy, that's to the point, isn't it? But you know, before I got saved, I didn't understand tithing. 
My concerns weren't about what God wanted me to do. My concerns weren't about sharing the gospel. My concerns weren't about reading my Bible. My concerns about praying. But when you meet Jesus, guess what? He'll change your concerns. I don't know if you're like me, but if I watch the news more, more than five minutes right now, when it comes to political things, I get discouraged. Can you, can anybody in here feel your attitude changing? You just want to go, I've got a punching bag in my basement. I just want to go hit that thing for about 10 minutes. You ever been that way? You get there, Whoa, why do they do this? And why do they say this? And, why they, and you know everybody's lying. If a politician moves his mouth, you can bet, your, bet, bet a dollar that they've, li they've lied about something. And they just sit there and they sit there and they, they go all this and this way and this way and this way and this way. And this. You know what? It doesn't matter to me anymore. I still believe God's in control. You believe God's in control? Amen. He'll change your concerns. I don't care what, what the, the, the endangered species are this week. All I care about is what God wants me to know. I need to be concerned about what God, he'll change your concerns. Look at this verse. Go to verse number 33. And believe me, I, and let's go back to this, the animals. I love animals, but Christ didn't die on the cr cross for the animals. I don't like people to be cruel to animals, but Christ didn't die for the animals. He died for us. And he'll change your concerns. He'll change your attitude. He'll change your perspective. He'll change your directions. Look at this verse. This is an amazing verse to me because if you go to verse number 33, it says, and he took them the same hour, referring to Paul and Silas, he says this, he says, um, of the night, and what? Washed their stripes. Simple question. Was he concerned about their stripes when he put them in there? No. What happened? Jesus changed him. When Jesus gets in, everything changes. When you have a decision, when Jesus gets in, everything changes. When you have a direction, when Jesus gets in, everything changes. He's going to change your attitude. If we were really honest with ourselves, how many of you can cop an attitude pretty quick? I can. You know, the worst place for me is when I'm driving. I don't know what it is. I just, you know, the Lord convicted me this week because I, I, I changed lanes real quick, and she doesn't even know this, but... Uh, Mrs. McCann in the very back. I thought she was behind me. And I, and I changed real quick. I thought her car was behind me. I was like, oh, I just did that and she's right behind me. She's like my little guardian angel driving behind me. I was like, oh no, she's going to say something to me about the way I changed lanes. I changed lanes because there was a guy that was driving like an idiot. And she's probably thinking behind me that I'm the one driving like an idiot. And I was just praying, Lord, Lord, let her not know my truck. Let her not know my truck. I drove over to the side and then when that car passed, I said, thank God it wasn't her. Okay, praise God. <laughs> You ever been there? But I mean, for about, about 20 seconds, I thought, she's going to tell everybody that I drove like that. Because I just change sometimes when, when I get in a vehicle. You ever been that way? Amen. Our attitudes sometimes stink. Sometimes go the wrong direction. That's why we need Jesus to get in and change all these things. I want to show you one, one last thing. Hmm. You know why I love this story? Who did these transforma transformations change? First one's obvious, the jailer. But you know what else it changed? You know where I'm going, don't you? Who else did it change? Watch with me. Let's read some verses. 
When I stop, you read the, you read the next couple, verse, couple words. Go to verse number um, 30 in this chapter, Acts chapter 16. Maybe you've never thought of this. It says, um, he asked in verse number 30 and brought, the, brought them out and said, Sir, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. What's the next three words? And thy house. Read them with me. And thy house. All right, keep reading. And they spake unto him the words of the Lord and, and to all that were in his house. Say it with me. In his house. This affected not just him, it affected everybody. Oh, you say, well, that's just a coincidence. Let's keep reading. It goes in verse number um, 33. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized. Read the next four words. He and all his. That's referring to his family. Straightway. Well, that's just a coincidence. Go to the next verse. And when he brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. See, his transformation wasn't just about him. Read it and you'll find that Paul goes to this place because of a dream. God sends him there. Then, at the very end, his family, the jailer, all of these guys' lives were changed. And I wouldn't kid yourself either. I think the people that were in jail were changed. They didn't leave. Your perspective changes. Your attitude changes. Your direction changes. And your concerns changes. Because you know what? Family does matter. There's not many things that make me upset, but if you were to hurt my girls, that would make me mad. How many of you have daughters in here? Anybody have daughters that are married? Have you ever had that conversation with your future son-in-law? If you hurt her, I break you, okay? Been there, done that. I got one more to do that to. When Jesus gets in, he changes everything. 